Thanks for joining us in the spring of 2022 for the Adult Study Guide podcast. This quarter, Brother Mark Clements is going to guide us through the books of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The nation of Israel, while far from perfect, demonstrates for the Bible student God's high standards for his people, how we fail miserably at meeting those standards, and finding grace in Jesus. So grab your copy of the Adult Study Guide or your Bible and study along with Brother Mark. Today's lesson is entitled, The Feasts of Israel, taken from Leviticus 23, 4, 5, 10, 11, 15, and 16, and Leviticus 25, 11 through 13. The application is, The student will see that the special holy days of Israel symbolize spiritual events which may be encountered by present-day believers. Seeking the Context When God's people gather together, it is special. Whether we gather for regular worship services with our church family, periodic association meetings with sister churches, an ordination service for a new minister, or a simple Christian fellowship, When the basis for our gathering is honoring Jesus, we enjoy a sweet spirit of unity. True growth in the faith cannot easily happen unless God's people spend time in each other's physical presence with their focus upon Him in worship. It should come as no surprise, then, that God would prescribe periodic gatherings of His people in which they would enjoy fellowship and worship Him. God called these gatherings Holy Convocations, Leviticus 23.2. Certainly, God's people are free to get together whenever they want, but these specified feasts would be consecrated for worshipful purposes wherein God would be worshipped and served. People tend to gather and have a good time every chance they get. Sometimes they gather because they like the same sports team or band, but when God's people gather for worship, He should be the only focus. Israel was to set aside the Sabbath every week in order to rest and focus on God. In addition to this weekly time, God told Moses he wanted his people to set aside several dates on their calendars in which they would rejoice in him. Three times in the spring, Israel was to set aside time for holy convocations. God's people were to celebrate the Passover, commemorating their miraculous deliverance from slavery in Egypt by the hand of God. Beginning the next day, they were to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Leviticus 23, 3-8. This feast would remind them of their hasty escape from Egypt, symbolizing the fact that their dough did not have time to rise. Then, 50 days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Israel was to celebrate the Feast of Firstfruits, in which they would bring offerings including a sheaf of newly harvested barley to gratefully give thanks to the Lord and dedicate the rest of their produce to Him. Leviticus 23, 9-14 Seven weeks and a day after this, Israel would celebrate the Feast of Weeks, known in the New Testament as Pentecost. Leviticus 23, 15-22 At this feast, Israel would bring sacrificial offering, grain offering, and drink offering, as well as bread, giving thanks to God for the successful harvest. Three times in the fall, Israel was to set aside time for more holy convocations. First, they would celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, in which they rest, present special offerings to the Lord, and sound trumpets, which would remind the people the Day of Atonement was coming soon. Leviticus 23, 
23 through 25. Next came the Day of Atonement, and Israel would approach this day with great penitence and reverence as atoning sacrifices would be offered for the people. Leviticus 23, 26 through 32. Lastly, the Feast of Tabernacles would be celebrated at the end of the fruit harvest to give thanks to God, but also to dwell in tents, remembering their wilderness days when they first came out of Egypt. Leviticus 23, 33-43. In all of these holy convocations, God himself would be the central focus of the crowd. These feasts coincided with Sabbath days, so the people would be very careful to rest with intentional emphasis on what would be the most pleasing to God. Of course, there would be food and fellowship involved, which would strengthen God's people, but only in so much as God received all the glory from their gathering. These holy convocations would unify God's people around their shared heritage of faith and prepare them for ongoing conquests of faith. Christians can learn some powerful lessons from today's text. In prescribing these convocations, God desired that his people gather for specific worshipful purposes. Whether we get together with our families, church members, or other Christians, we should seek opportunities to focus on who God is, what he has done, and how we will serve him in the future. What do gatherings of Israel tell us about how God desires to work in his people? Searching the text. Number one, remember what God has done. Leviticus 23, 4 and 5. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. When it came time for God to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, it was such a momentous occasion that he had Moses commemorate it forever by starting their national calendar with the time of their escape. After nine plagues did not convince Pharaoh to release the Jews, God knew the tenth plague of the death of every firstborn would compel him to send them away. To avoid the destroyer, Exodus 12, 23, that would pass through the land, God's people painted their doorposts with the blood of spotless male lambs. Then they feasted on the roasted lamb along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, ready to leave the land. Death visited every house except for the homes on which the blood was painted. When God saw the blood, he passed over the house. This feast was to be observed every year to commemorate Israel's deliverance from death, and escape to freedom by God's mighty hand. Exodus 12, 1-14 Why did God want Israel to celebrate the Passover every year? God certainly did not want his people to have a victim mentality, dwelling in past hurts or giving excuses for bad behavior because of their time under oppressive rule in Egypt. Instead, God wanted them to remember their past so that their focus would be on his deliverance of them. God did not intend the Passover to be an occasion to relive past despair, but to relish in past deliverance. When Israel took time to intentionally focus on how God had been faithful in the past, their time most certainly turned into a moment of corporate worship, magnifying God for his mercy and grace. The same is still true when God's people take time to remember his mighty works today. 
Every time we open our Bibles, we read historical accounts of God interacting with his people, rescuing them from sin, and restoring them to his glorious purposes. Additionally, when members of God's churches gather to observe the Lord's Supper, our experience turns from somber reflection on the broken body and shed blood of Jesus to reverent rejoicing that his sacrifice delivers us from sin. We would be wise to always take time to remember the salvation God has worked on our behalf. Why is it so important to take time to remember what God has done? Number two, give thanks for what God has provided. Leviticus 23, 10, 11, 15, and 16. Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath the priest shall wave it. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. When someone plants a garden for the first time, it is very common for them to watch closely to see the onset of new fruits or vegetables. As soon as the first fruit or vegetable begins to grow, the gardener will take great care to make sure it is safe. Then comes the proud moment when the gardener plucks the first produce from the garden. The garden might produce hundreds or thousands of fruits and vegetables afterwards, but the very first produce is special and makes the gardener exceptionally thankful. This is how God expected his children to be when they were able to pr produce food on their own. When Israel finally arrived at the promised land, God prescribed them to bring offerings of the very first of their harvest. The first heaps of barley would be gathered and waved before the Lord as a way to give thanks to God and worship. As the harvest progressed, Israel would continue to bring offerings to the Lord in worship. These offerings would represent the first and best the people could offer and would be dedicated to the Lord before the rest of the harvest would be gathered. This is a demonstration of faith that God had provided what they needed and would continue to provide as they committed their best to Him. When we give our tithes and offerings from the first of our income, we demonstrate the same kind of faith in the Lord to provide. We can freely commit to Him what He asks because it belongs to Him already. God does not need our offerings since he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He does look at our hearts and expects us to offer the sacrifices of thanksgiving, performing our vows. Psalm 57-15 Like Israel, let us regularly offer God what he requires with hearts full of thankfulness. Why should we regularly give thanks for what God has provided? Number three. Trust God to honor obedience. Leviticus 25, 11-13 A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. Ye shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed. For it is the jubilee. It shall be holy unto you. Ye shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. In the year of this jubilee ye shall return every man unto his possession. 
Every 50 years in the nation of Israel, God required something special. Over the course of 50 years, it would be likely that some families would run into hard times while others became prosperous. Some would need to commit themselves to indentured servitude or even sell their family's property to survive. But when the 50th year arrived, God intended for the land to rest an additional year and for everyone bound to servitude to be released, having their homestead returned to them as well. Following this law would reduce the likelihood of families amassing large wealth or estates and would help in preventing the oppression of fellow Israelites. The goal in establishing the year of Jubilee was to make sure God's people did not wrong each other. Leviticus 25, 14, and 17. The land belonged to the Lord, and He was able to make it produce enough to feed His people throughout the times of rest. Leviticus 25, 20-22. The people should not worry about how they would survive. Instead, God expected them to concern themselves with reverential obedience to him, trusting that he would take care of them. Leviticus 25, 17. Doing the right thing is not always the easiest thing. Obeying God requires sacrifice. Demonstrating the love of Christ to our neighbor means denying ourselves first and sacrificially meeting the needs of others. How are we to know whether God will honor our obedience and provide our needs? We must trust Him to provide, just as Israel trusted Him to take care of them in the year of Jubilee, even though the land would not have been farmed for two straight years. God knows what we need. We must simply trust Him more than we trust the natural order of things. We are free to release material blessings for the benefit of our neighbors, knowing that God will take care of us and honor our obedience to Him. How can we hold our possessions loosely and trust God to bless good stewardship? Setting the Application These feasts prescribed for the nation of Israel are not in effect for the modern-day Christian. Jesus fulfilled the pictures of sacrifice these ceremonies projected. The principles behind the feasts are very much applicable for Christians. As God required His people to remember their rescue from slavery through His miraculous hand, God requires Christians to remember our salvation through the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. As God prescribed festivals in which His people brought their first fruits and committed them to Him in thankfulness, God prescribes that we bring Him tithes and offerings from the first and best that we have, with thankfulness. As God detailed a year of release every 50 years to make sure His people did not oppress one another, He commands that we love each other through sacrificing our time, energy, and resources, trusting Him to provide us with what we need. Like Israel, we are God's chosen people, standing distinct in the midst of an unbelieving world. Remember what He has done. Give thanks for what He has provided. Trust Him to honor your stewardship of what He has given to you. The world is watching to see the genuineness of our faith. What does this text tell us about how we can represent God well? Thanks for listening to another lesson on the Adult Study Guide podcast. We will catch you next week for another lesson in this great quarter. Until then, join us daily on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org.